Hello. Hello. Harry. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing good. Well, are we not doing the introduction? Well, you could do it for a change. Uh, yeah, I could do it. Okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of Generic Air Porn. We're back at it. Let's go. Straight in. Okay. Charlie, uh, I briefly I sent you a message on what I thought we should talk about today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a, one interesting perspective on us. We were born at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, similar similar parental influences. Uh, yeah, basically born in the same hospital, all that sort of thing. Lovely, side by side. Well, and one of the, but one of the main major ways that we differed was uh, I went to a Church of England school, a state school, essentially, and you went to a private school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I f- personally find it really interesting hearing what your life was like at that private school. Yeah, yeah. And and learning the ways in which it might have shaped who you are as a person. And it, mm-hmm. also, when I was going through my school system, I remember for the younger years, it did not occur to me that it was different for anyone else. Um, y- yes, yes. Um... I think with me, especially from an early stage, I knew it was different because of the fact that um, I knew that you would finish at like, say, three o'clock. Yeah, um, 2.30 was when I finished my school day. 2.30. And we would normally finish about 5.30. And especially mm. especially before kind of the age of 13, mm. I, I also boarded as well, like maybe one or two days a week, which yeah. when you think about it, I didn't think was like a, a typical school kind of uh, thing to do uh, to stay overnight at school with like some people that you were probably talking to in class that day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it, it, it's a weird experience. So there's, there's two components. There's the, there's the first half, like pre 13 yeah. years old. And then the secondary school part, I, I think the secondary school part um, changes completely because you're boarding what monday to friday you have matches on saturday and then you have one day with your folks back home on the sunday and that's ridiculous that's, that's absolutely balmy which is balmy and then that also created a lot of problems because uh, later on when you kind of got to the age where you wanted to go to you know gatherings with friends and mm-hmm. um like parties and things like that and your parents were like um well how about we have the weekend where you don't you know we can see you and then you'd get annoyed because <laughs> you because you'd be like well, why did you send me to a boarding school <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is what i've heard about and so you've got a friend uh really nice guy's name nick was his name nick oh goodness we went to uh, we went to scotland with oh um tom tom oh my god yeah there we go sorry during the bank um how is tom have you been in touch with him yeah i seem quite a lot i seem yeah. quite a lot yeah but he he had an interesting relationship with his dad, didn't he? I mean, in that, I think, <laughs> and he was saying that he didn't really know. One of the things that he said to me that I found interesting uh, was that he didn't have that strong of a relationship with his siblings, which is bizarre to me because I went to school with my siblings and mm-hmm. spent, you know, my evenings at home. Most of the, if we were to do something fun, it would be something with them most of the time. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I went to what the, uh, the whole kind of boarding thing with Josie mm. and it's it's almost like going to uni with a sibling that you never see like it's right. 
it's a it's a it's a really weird experience the fact that you know um you know they're there you never mm-hmm. see them you never really catch up you say probably hi like maybe at lunch you see them in the queue yeah but other than that not at all um, that's so interesting that's just though that josie was almost like another just a girl that you knew in another year yeah but i think you know obviously when you were younger you were probably thinking yeah. um okay charlie school he maybe gets to play a little bit more sport he maybe gets mm. to do a little a few more things that maybe you don't do and you aren't able to fit into your timetable so you may be thinking oh there's like a world away which i maybe quite like to experience but that they're also the roles reversed in like you know i got to a point where i was like you know what i'd prefer to kind of have maybe a bit more of a, a church of england or like um, mm. you know state school experience. I, I don't think i can speak for proper state schools i think church of england is actually quite a unique experience as well and other exactly. state schools nearby kind of considered us a private school but if you go to hurst where you were it's like being in harry potter mm. well, yeah, it's, it's like a castle isn't it it's a, i think all these kind of they called them the woodard schools and they were just i think set up by this guy called nathaniel woodard in like the 17th century and mm it's kind of a collection of schools around that Sussex area. Um, and some of them kind of are quite old and they date back quite a few hundred years, but um, it does, as soon as you start, it does feel like you're in something like Harry Potter because yeah. uh, the architecture of the buildings, the fact that we had to attend chapel on mm. a Monday morning. And they have stables there. Um, I'm not too sure about stables, okay. but um, you know, in terms of, the Harry Potter cloisters, we had those. Um, and so- Went to choir you know, practice. Went to choir practice. You know, you, you do kind of live this whole, um, you know, it doesn't feel like what we would feel to be is like normal school because mm-hmm. you stay late in the evening talking to friends, gaming in like your room and- So, so that aspect of it, I really like. And I actually quite, think that there's- two there's a room for two nights a week or even three nights uh of staying at the school i think so long but so long as that school is has gives you the freedom to i don't know go home or go into town and do other things one of the things i got to do from a young age at bishop luffer was i was part of the chitter youth theater and the school recognized uh kids going to that theater as a good experience and so we were allowed to leave lessons and go to the theatre to rehearse and perform in the winter months, mm-hmm. um, which is so two completely individual institutions. And um, I would leave class. I'd go I'd take my homework with me, and I could do it while uh, while I'm while other people are rehearsing, and mm-hmm. I'm just in the seats. Um, and. Um, and then I, but I, and I'd get to walk through town and go there and there, you know, occasionally you skive off a lesson and stuff like that, but it was incredibly, that was a really empowering experience getting to do that. And you only got a book token at the end of it, but you made so many friends and stuff like that. It was a real cult getting, if you got into those shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel there's another aspect to kind of your experience where you're given a lot of freedom in mm. terms of, um, you know real life experiences you become a lot more let's just say streetwise and savvy i feel than maybe 
I had, which was probably a little bit more of a kind of a, a wool cottoned uh, mm-hmm. kind of experience where everything's done for you. You know, your washing's done by a matron in your boarding house. <laughs> which um, is just the most bizarre thing. Which is bonkers. So, they, so, know, so there's a matron, because I didn't actually know about that. I didn't know that you got your clothes cleaned. So you have that. I um, did have my mum. She did do that most of the time. Exactly, which is obviously nicer because <laughs> she's your mum. No, no, I think I would have preferred the matron. Um, she, matron. she would have, if she was getting paid, she would have moaned. Yeah. But then I think what we start to see is, I think now, I certainly kind of looking back, it does give you a lot of opportunities. But also, what it does do is it does hinder you making a, a bit more of a start on life because you know perhaps I started to see maybe you were getting a job on the weekends or mm-hmm. at least maybe spending some more time with friends outside of school you yeah. never really you never really got to do that at Hearst because you just got to spend time with friends at school but then outside you didn't have any time to spend time with friends at school so it was a really weird experience when yeah when you went off and did something outside um and but that, also- that's one of the things so from a from a young age I um I'd always I'd shown random bits of potential in school so uh I they couldn't say I was good at English but then every now and again I'd do a really good essay and they couldn't say I was good at maths but then every now and again I'd just get all the marks right in a test um Mm. and it was they seemed to consistently realize that I just really wasn't interested in the way that they taught in school and uh and that I was good at these things but I needed to be interested in them Mm. Um, and every now and again, a test came up or a question got asked in English and that would engage me. Um, and they didn't see it as their responsibility to make me interested. They saw it as my responsibility to get interested. And I think that's an experience for lots of kids. And I think school is really well suited to a collection of kids because there are definitely kids that were around me that just sucked this stuff up and loved it and loved writing and loved learning in that way so I don't want to take it away from those kids but what made sense to me was when I started working at Goodwood and when I started working at um, other areas I had about you know I, I, I put an advert up for dog walking in the local Botsgrove uh, buggle uh, mm-hmm. and I started working behind a bar at Chichester Yacht Club and I started working as a wait, wine waiter at Goodwood and I was an actor at Goodwood as well and I got paid for that and all those things I realized that none of these things require academics if anything the the, I got more jobs because of who I knew and interacting with the right people and that's just a skill that they weren't teaching me in school and in in school I was learning more and more that where does this take me where does this take me because I can I can see myself rising through the ranks at a pub and rising Mm. and and at Goodwood and stuff like that. And these things could be money. And I, I like collecting this money and investing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it frustrated the hell out of me that I couldn't, my pet, my parents couldn't just leave me at Goodwood all day long. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I could just work there or work, you know, um, versus having to be at school because of what, you know, because it suits 20% of children. Mm. Yeah, completely. Well, I, I learned that, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't have necessarily gotten to learn that at private school. You didn't have that freedom. You're, you're completely no. locked in to one style of learning and exactly. one experience. Certainly, certainly not 
until very later on, uh, you know, maybe 16, 17 plus, and even then you still mm. didn't have any time to have really any side hustles or actually explore what you what you wanted to do kind of like hobbies wise mm. because they were just put in front of you oh if you're good at rugby that means you must like it therefore you must mm. do more of it therefore you know you have to get a scholarship somewhere um yeah you know it, it's all that sort of mentality um but i think what would be really helpful and insightful for some of our listeners is maybe mm. if you could maybe describe the kind of the the church of england side of, of bishop luffer um so and the, what, and the process is there something specifically you're interested in about that or? no just i think i think what i'm interested in is is that that whole um re- kind of religious side of it but then mm. obviously when you join the school well so, so yeah to get into bishop luffer um your parents first have to join a cult um but it's brackets, a very old cult brackets, most brackets, people call it christianity brackets, brackets yeah. The church yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah where you know a long time ago they they uh, a man of a completely different religion was nailed to a cross and killed um oh, and then an, our religion was formed from that um is that a steven spielberg film yeah <laughs> michael bay actually oh michael bay i love it <laughs> say hello to my little friend um, <laughs> no, that's not even, anyway references all over the place um Anyway, so yeah, you, your parents have to go to church, and actually, I could, I just one thing. Although uh, this is what I think the new atheist world needs is we need some form of religion, um, not religion as I think it's classically defined, but in the sense of the principles that Christianity teaches need to be taught in society and. Um, and maybe we can do better at justifying them, but help thy neighbor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because too often we believe that these things are best done by government. Mm-hmm. And the re- that's one of the reasons we pay so much into the government is because we want to abdicate all responsibility. If our friend has mental health issues, why isn't a psychologist dealing with that? Um, why, if I see a homeless person outside my house, um, why should my street take care of that person? We're paying this much, so we should be taken care of. Uh, so that person should be taken care of by uh, the councillor who's run by the thing, who's run by the thing, who's run by the thing, and then all the way up to Boris Johnson. And then you're like, why the hell are the Conservative Party not dealing with this homeless person? And it's like, well, you can't just... Um, and and so that basically this is why this is my argument for religion is that it, this sort of thing outside of government where it's sort of like actually helping people is an individual responsibility as well of a, as well as a collective one. When you join the church, you don't just go, why aren't the church helping people? The church is telling is teaching you how to help others. Mm-hmm. And the message gets lost. Even people within Christianity are some of the least Christian people you'll ever meet. Yeah, well. And there you go and that's i suppose mm. that was the, the requirements for getting into the church of england part of bishop mm. luffer but th- so going through luffer they're teaching you the, what bishop luffer in the church of england why i have a bit of respect for them is they even though they don't always do this they actively acknowledge that they have to move with the times mm-hmm. um so they so you know allow gay marriages in churches and they 
their teachings, although they did often bring up God, they weren't just bringing it up uh, God is love all the time. They were they're more talking about how um, if you, one of the ones I thought was a particularly interesting metaphor uh, at one assembly, and it stuck with me. I don't know why this has stuck with me particularly, but they were talking about how there was a home in Africa, a priest went to Africa, a missionary, um, and introduced electricity into one of the homes. They put a light bulb inside one person's house. Um, and so this little African village that had never had electricity before, everyone came around to this these people's, this person's house to see the light bulb turned on for the first time inside this mud hut that there are no windows of. So it's been dark in here their, their entire lives. Then they turn, they, they turn on the electricity that this missionary helped them set up. And they realize that there's dirt and rubbish all over their house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the other people go, oh, how embarrassing for them. Look at all their, they've, they've allowed this electricity and all they can do, look how dirty their lives are. And then over time, they are able to clean the rubbish out of their house because they can see it all and so because the the light is there they can actually get all the rubbish out of their house and then they brought that metaphor back into religion and how if you shine a light on your problems and you know then they tie back to god shining a light but i mean if you shine a light on your problems your problems are always there but now you can see them and you can deal with them fine Um, And I like that real situation, person helped a village, their metaphor was, uh, they used God as a vehicle, but the metaphor was still really interesting in that when you shine a light on an issue, you don't create an issue, you and you don't solve it, but you know it's there and now you can deal with it. Nice. Okay. That's an idea of how, that's how I see the, that's the golden example of how religion can be part of school. It's a set of principles um, and a metaphor. And it has. No, and then when we go into science class, there is no religion there. There's no religion in science class. And in RE, uh, there is no. This is true. This is. This is fact. It's an interpretation of yeah. That, that, that's why RE um, was one of the best subjects almost to do because the, mm. you couldn't you couldn't really be scored. Uh, terrible grade because it's your interpretation mm. of meanings <laughs> was there much religion involved in your school so funnily enough um in terms of kind of the requirements for entry no yeah. didn't have to come from a religious background not at all right but then, when, but then when you're there there is a a notion of compulsory attendance to at least the eucharist every friday mm-hmm. so that's like an hour at like two o'clock where um you know you have a eucharist with mm-hmm. uh, with with bread and wine um but the bonkers thing was if you just if you try to uh, get away from it you were penalized so you were either given like a a clearing which was you know wiping down the tables at lunchtime um yeah and even students that didn't who didn't identify as being religious who actively mm-hmm um said you know i don't know why i have to be here because i'm not uh yeah this isn't you know a religious kind of event um it, it, they didn't matter it didn't matter you you had to you had to go and i think it was um i think it was a time where they wanted to use to like reflect the week um tie that back to to god and to i guess mm. 
like like you were talking about the um kind of the main um kind of nice traits and talking points for some with some of the stories and you 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 parallel that back to some of your I mean, aims and aspirations it? of the week and, and that sort of thing so, so mm. in that sense that made sense but there were definitely people who um, came to the school who identified as potentially um, being Muslim and, and other things where they were they were still forced to go which in some ways is, is quite bad but well, I I, we had Muslim people at our school and I never thought about at the time how weird it must have been yeah you go to the Eucharist and stuff like that oh, and celebrating Easter and and the fact that in our assembly hall there is uh, a man nailed to a cross quite gruesome sort of imagery uh which and it's something that they've not seen throughout their childhood mm -hmm. um that just must have been an odd experience mm, yeah i can't imagine I, I can't imagine as a kid how odd it must be to walk if i was going to a muslim school um, oh, and it's reversed yeah or completely mm. i know um how that, that that must be to kind of be not forced, but, you know, told to attend certain um, kind of events. And kids, uh, kids are, you know, wanting to experiment with being atheist and stuff like that. And I think parents don't give kids enough credit uh, because basically what, what that says to me is these kids uh, aren't recognizing what religion is doing for them. Mm. It doesn't seem to be helpful. Um, certainly they, because we don't make kids work for anything, uh, they certainly, they don't have the same problems as adults have. So that story of shining a light on your problems, I don't really know why that stuck in my head. I, I think I was already doing work and stuff like that mm. all over the place, but, yeah. um, I mean, it's kind of useful to a kid, but. Exactly. Basically, I'm just trying to say that, that you, until you have responsibility, you don't really have a need for religion. You certainly don't feel responsible for homeless people or so like you could do anything for them mm. or for anyone else or many other people in society. Um, exactly. And assemblies don't really offer any opportunity for kids to seek genuine help. No, no, not at all. Um, but, you know, we both had... You know, this is good an example of like the two mm. different experiences that like we see in the English education system. Mm. You know, there are certainly downsides to the public school system. Yeah, there's one. There's one aspect that is quite apparent, and it is that the fee component component to the um, public school system is one in that if said child attends said public school um, with with fee attached to it you are thereby paying not just for an experience but for that child to maybe attain a better grade than they probably would do if they went to a state school i think that's the the general kind of like rule of thumb but mm -hmm. i saw it being a negative impact to students because it was the thinking that they were able to kind of coast through school knowing that they had i, I don't know maybe a better class of teaching standards but really out of the people that went to oxford and cambridge um i saw it being a much lower uh kind of cohort of like certainly my class 
heading off to those sorts of schools compared to uh, some of my friends who attended state schools um and a lot of my close friends actually mm. after either failed their you know gccs a levels and now are just kind of not really doing too much and those parents who it, you know that wasn't just pocket change for them actually uh, sacrificed a lot in terms of sending those kids to school mm. are now are now at a point where they haven't seen a return on that, that investment um, yeah. and that's like a that's like a definite shame and it's definitely something that I'm always going to consider when you know mate, well, maybe school is later. sorry yeah th that's a really interesting thing the return on investment aspect exactly that. Um, but school is uh, so long as it only it continues to only acknowledge that maths and English and science are the most important um, almost they, they, it, because of all the things you could teach a kid it's almost as if they're saying that these are the most the cornerstones of your personality because I think you could teach kids about sex you could teach kids about race you could teach kids about um, how to be enigmatic and charismatic and and how to make people like you and that you know that most of us know that uh, one of the best ways to keep your job and to have opportunities in the future is to be uh, just respectful and polite and, and know how to act in stressful situations mm -hmm. um, and make good work connections by being friendly. Um, 100%. And so it's funny that they don't teach you that because that's the, way, that's the, that's the fastest ticket to higher income. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can coerce information from someone for free so you've got a friend that does marketing uh you may need to you know and a stranger would need to pay them hundreds of pounds to get information about what websites to use and what stuff like uh, stuff to use but if you just act interested in their topic you can get all sorts of useful information out of that friend without them feeling like they're being uh like they're working and, and mm -hmm. giving you anything useful um and they don't teach that at schools they do teach it at ultra ultra good schools like Eton they have mm. classes for that they have and that is why Eton kids get into uh succeed quite often and I think people have a misconception that Eton kid uh that there's some sort of elite club that only takes kids from Eton and I think there is an element of truth to that because they have a higher propensity a higher chance of having connections with people that are already in there but I do also think that you are you are you are shooting society in the foot if you don't acknowledge that Eton uh, pick up the best kids, and they also teach them really interesting things. If you look at their curriculum, they do teach uh, how to learn from friends and how to get people to do things for you, and but in a nice, friendly way, um, mm. and they get they climb the ladder and they just generally do climb the ladder faster because of these skills. There's probably loads of other things that they teach at Eton that I wouldn't know. I certainly wouldn't know about. Yeah, but, um, actually to that, um, I think it's almost the opposite because, okay, yes, I do agree that there are certain elements of um, maybe entrepreneurism in that certain Eton like collective mm. of like trying to get certain groups of students um to be in contact with each other they've got thing about public schools if they is, is they have an amazing old boys slash old girls like mm. network like that is something that 
I will always be able to rely on and all those kids that go to Eton can use in terms of um, networking throughout your kind of your career or, or throughout your interests. But in terms of the curriculum, I found state schools curriculum offered a far wider um, uh, kind of choice of subjects that one, prepare you for your working career and hmm. two, give you those those skills to um kind would, of would you have been able to do media this, studies at your school uh no so media studies was take you know no we weren't able to do media studies so that's one that's and then yeah and also business studies was only a subject that was um brought out when i was there at gcc so obviously pre 2009 it yeah. wasn't it wasn't there at all so you can teach classics and latin and all mm. those amazing subjects that you know are very very interesting mm. um at, at schools like eton but in terms of is that going to help you later on in life arguably mm. not um but something like media studies and you know that can um and that's also a uh, kind of an element to the differentiation of both of them that's interesting i hadn't considered that you wouldn't have uh, that variety of subjects and media, having media studies at my school was really useful for me it got me into learning new software and stuff like that yeah. and i really like i me and all my brothers for some reason all love media um but uh and so the idea of not having that there is odd yeah, it, it, it's, it's odd and you know there public schools are very stuck in their ways of what they think are traditional and untraditional subjects mm. um and traditional ones are languages maths sciences and mm. then there's there's not too much deviation from um from like economics you know we we even didn't have politics as a subject which yeah which, which really can be key in terms of students wanting to learn that um yeah, but how do you do politics. Yeah, yeah. I don't know um, how you do. I think but there's things like uh, so maths. I loved as a subject actually, um, and but well, maths doesn't need to be taught to everyone. What needs to be taught to everyone is economics, um, yeah. and then maths is an immediate subset of that. Um, so you teach maths in primary school to get people to their two plus twos. Mm -hmm. um, but people have a calculator. They don't need their times table. I mean, you can teach times tables, whatever. But I mean, there are plenty of games that will teach you your times tables. Um, and so there's things like, uh, yeah, mortgage rates and stuff like that that would serve them much better in life. Um, but that's it. Yeah, uh, it's interesting hearing about the differences in uh what you might have access to i think both have miles to go with regards to uh being some being at a point where we get both you know private schools and state schools i don't think we get value for money out of them yeah, um yeah i think i think you're going to start to see start to see a slight wind down now of the private schooling system because um I think right now when it comes to education the core element is that kids mm. have a good education they're happy they build friendships um, and networks around them they enjoy certain activities mm. and hobbies and they're allowed to do so um what i would also really like to see is if they took um if 
they took standardized testing outside of schools. So they stopped doing standardized testing at schools and instead um, did the standardized testing at the university. Mm -hmm. So from a young age, you go, oh, I want to get into this university. Uh, and say from year six, you could have a vague idea of what courses you'd want to do in your adult life. And every year you apply to go into that university mm. and they create the test and they, you know, in your year six, you're going to be miles off from getting in, but you get all this feedback about what you would need to do if you wanted to do this art degree or this engineering degree. Yeah. Um, and you can focus your life around that. If the goal is university, which for school, it, that's kind of how they set it up. But anyway, Charlie, we are at the 30 minute mark, aren't we? We're beyond it. We're beyond it, son. But thank you, everybody, for tuning into a lovely, weird and wonderful yes. podcast of us again this week. And tune in next week where you'll have, guess what? Another one. Another one. Endless content. Endless content. On to the next one. Thanks, everyone. Woo. Have Just a rest of the week. Bye. Bye.